Hi, welcome back to ARZ. I'm your host, Carolyn Bailey. These continuing interviews on anti-oppression, veganism and related issues are in association with VegFest UK. In this interview, we're delighted to welcome Farah Rainfly back to AR Zone. Farah is one of the founding directors of Life After Hummus Community Benefit Society, a BME-led London-based social enterprise who are on a mission to pioneer nutrition and lifestyle intervention solutions for a changing health and care landscape to improve the physical and mental health of the public and reduce health inequalities, tackle food poverty and reduce social isolation whilst operating within an intersectional framework. Currently on a weekly basis, they offer free food waste prevention cooking club socials attended by 30 participants each week. They guide them to prepare healthy vegan dishes in their hands-on nutrition and cooking classes, normalising the act of cooking. At the heart of what they do is a simple motto, health is a right and not a privilege. Farah will be presenting at VegFest UK Brighton this year, addressing healthy eating on a vegan diet and avoiding common pitfalls, and joins us today to discuss that as well as her other outstanding work. Farah, welcome back to AR Zone. Thanks for having me back, Caroline. It's really nice to speak to you. Oh, you're most welcome. In the introduction, Farah, I mentioned that you offer free food waste prevention cooking club socials every week. Would you please explain what that entails? So since moving into our permanent location in Somerstown Community Association, which is um, near King's Cross in London, we offer on the Monday nights free so it's food waste prevention, cooking club socials, nutrition and cooking classes. That's such a mouthful. But in short, if you can teach a person how to cook, then you can also teach them how to prevent food waste before it even starts. Because a person who knows how to cook can shop better, menu plan better, budget better, and also come up with various different ways that they can prepare their, say, a broccoli. You might know how to cook it in one or two ways. And then you might go, oh, I don't know what to do with this. And I had the same thing yesterday. So it's given you new ideas as well, as well as obviously healthy cooking techniques. So on a Monday, people come, we don't set a limit which can be dangerous and people come at, at 6 30 in the evening so after work or after their responsibilities or whatever it is they, they they get up to and they arrive they sign up we don't accept anybody past seven and they start their class off by watching a nutritional video and our nutritional videos uh, as i mentioned in my previous interview come from the physicians committee for responsible medicine and after that we take them to their stations and we can't do anything that we do without our amazing volunteers. So every Monday night, I have three to four to five to six amazing people turn up to help us. And people are split up into groups and we operate and each one teach one. So we split them up onto seven tables. And sorry, I'm going into a bit of detail, but in on their seven tables, they're then placed in, in groups. So we can have four to five to six to even seven people per table. And there you have split up amongst the tables people who've been before. So the people who've been before can automatically be teachers for the new people. And we also say to people that this class also, because we operate using an intersectional framework, we all say to them, this is about being humankind. So if you're here for a cooking class and 
you are very good at chopping, but you're here to learn maybe the techniques or new information, learning about nutrition, we say, don't do the chopping. Ask on your table who doesn't have the time to cook, who doesn't, you know, doesn't even have the practice or the know-how on how to chop an onion, and give them the knife, get them to do the chopping. We have two chopping boards per station. We have four knives there, so there's plenty for people to get involved in. But we say to them, be humankind. Some people on your table, they won't know what some of the spices are, some of the ingredients. So show them, point it out, and talk about how you prepare these ingredients at home. And we basically take them through the preparation of three to four to five dishes per session. So they learn what um, PCRM call eating from the four food group, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans and pulses. And they learn the th three-step method, as we call it. So keep your um, vegetable oils to a minimum, no animal products, of course, and favor food from the local glycemic index. Or another way to look at it is favor unprocessed foods, foods in their as natural form as you can have it. So they learn how to apply that to their cooking. And at the end, they get to sit together and eat together and they help us with the washing up they queue up with smiles and conversations to use the one sink and the one dishwasher it's it's an amazing night it's a humbling night you have you know somewhere between 30 to 40 people turn up per session i think at our most we had 45 people at one session and we just get on with it every week and some people come back and other people they need one session they're good to go other people two to three and some people longer and we we've been fortunate we received funding from the north london waste authority to run this project as a um, food waste um, prevention project but the title um, of our project was a specific one it was food uh, to make food waste prevention accessible to um, the just about managing community jam and the hidden homeless community so looking at food waste from a different point of view that it's not just your fancy things of you know where can i buy a bamboo toothbrush where can i you know buy mason jars where can i nothing wrong with all of that i'm not knocking it but it's looking at actually give teach people the skills on how to cook first let's start with that before we try to sell them a product Let's start with how can I feed myself at home? And we've just last night, in, yesterday, in fact, submitted, because our, old, our funding with the North London Waste Authority has just come to an end, but we're still continuing with the Monday night sessions. And um, we've just done a, a new analysis on our data. So going from December to March, we taught 291 different people. And obviously, some of those attended again, and we looked at um, why they came. And at the top was 77% of them learning to cook healthful food. And next up was learning about nutrition, 67%. And next was tasting new foods. So it's about teaching people how to cook. A lot of them are, when you say to them, when you ask them the question, we have a question, what would you say is the most challenging part of adopting this way of eating? 
top comes up craving the foods I'm trying to avoid. And that's about breaking what we call the food seduction, that if you can adopt a healthier way of eating, you're not going to look for these foods. I mean, I won't get into the technicalities, but there's many things you're looking at, you, whether the foods, um, whether it's higher in fat, so you're craving the fats, or whether it's you're not getting enough um you're not getting enough fiber into your diet. So it's all those sort of different things. But next up um, on that question, what would you say is the most challenging part? Second was preparing meals. 29% of people said preparing meals is the most challenging part of adopting this way of eating. And then obviously you, we did also offer that suggestion where you could also tick none. So it, that's that's where we're coming from is teach people how to cook, give them the support they need. And we do Mondays. And because we're a community benefit society with a social enterprise model, in order to keep funding our work, we do also employee well-being sessions and delivering sessions for other people. So currently now once a week, I'm at a another place where we're working with Bangoli women. And for anybody listening, if that term is new to you, it just means people from Bangladesh. And it's a community centre in London that has quite a strong Bangladeshi community. And they wanted to engage these women in healthier eating. And it's beautiful. I've got on Thursdays now, my treat is I'm in a room full of all these Bangoli women and most of them wearing their hijabs and we're learning how to cook together and they're learning. Um, the way you approach them is very different to how I approach participants on Monday nights, for example, because as some of them say to me, I want to eat more healthily. I want to eat more veg. I want to eat more beans. I don't want to eat the meat, but you know, my husband, my husband, you know, he wants meat every night. I give my chicken, chi I give my children chicken instead, instead, and but I, my husband, you know, meat. But you know, I could adopt this. I could actually give beans to my children, and I could cut the oils as well. And you know, I could do this, but you know, for my husband. So it's 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 a different way. It's you're working with something very different here. Most of the women they're reliant on their husbands. Their husbands are the main breadwinners. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting time for us as a new society. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Farah, I think you know that I am an enormous supporter of the work that you do. I'm absolutely in awe of what you're doing. I just wanted to thank you for it because I think that your work is incredible and you're making such a big difference. So I just wanted to um, say thank you for everything that you're doing. No, honestly, it's just, it's very kind of you to say that. Thank you. I, we've got big ambitions as a community benefit society and where we've just been awarded more business support with an organization called Social Investment Business on their, what they call their Diverse Ambitions Program. So we're going to be working with them at looking more closely at our model because at the moment we're, we're operating on, on, on very small resources, but we know that we've got a project that's in demand. We know that, you know, a few weeks ago, I was at one of the universities doing a job there for one of their local clinical commissioning groups. And we were there engaging with students. So we engaged over 250 students in easy ways to introduce healthy eating into your diets. So we know we've got something that people want. But, and now it's just for us about finding support to bring on board another person a person that can help more with the marketing side of things 
whether that's the fundraising or the selling of of our paid services, if that if that makes sense. So it's, we're looking at the moment of funding applications, grants to in order to bring on board a person. So making a case for a business, a community business, that if you were given, if we were given given that support that we'd be able to bring this person on board and that we could demonstrate in that one year to two years from now we would be self-sustainable so that's yeah that's 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 where we're at, where we're at with the organization and we're currently waiting in fact on another application to come through for the development for the research and development of nutrition and cooking classes for medical and allied health professionals and another one we're working on as well is um, holiday hunger provision for the school holidays. So offering food for children in the school time, well, offering cooking classes as an activity in the school holidays for children who cannot go, afford to go on holidays. And because they cannot afford to go on holidays, they don't receive the free school meal that they'd normally get in school time. So they go hungry during the holiday time. So we're working on that as well in partnership with an organ another organization who works specifically around tackling youth violence, urban community projects. Just, yeah, thank, thank you for your support and anybody's support who's listening, really. Oh, gosh, absolutely. It, it sounds like a big part of what you're doing is normalising the act of cooking. And I know that you've spoken already about why that's so important. And it is really, really important, particularly for people who are wanting to, to start living vegan. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the importance of normalising the act of cooking? Well, if I can tell you what we found, I mean, I get... I become very geeky about our data because we say to people, we say to people, you know, I, we know it's a two-page feedback form, but please, if you can fill it out, this is how we can track how you're doing. This is how we can see how we're doing, and this is how we can make tweaks. And the thing is, is I know um, Trent Grassian, I should say, Doctor Trent Grassian, um, has looked into this. So what support do people need to adopt? A vegan diet for us it's always it's a low-fat vegan diet we look at and and he looks at um, how important cooking is so we asked to them what changes will they make based on their learnings in our classes and they say to us they'll include more fruits vegetables grains and legumes into their diet the next up is make more of an effort to try unfamiliar foods and the next is prepare more meals at home. But then interestingly, for this project and going on, we introduced some questions based on our learnings over the last two years, three years. So we, are, we started to ask, because we know vegans come to our classes, we, start, we wanted to find out why are they coming. So we know that currently we, we have 19% of people who come up already following a vegan diet. And what you can find within the vegan community here is people can say, oh, you're just preaching to the converted. And it's like, we're, actually, we're not. Why don't you find out why are they coming? So then we asked as well, we offered them a chance to say, what would they do following this? And 19% of them said to change their vegan diet to a low-fat vegan diet. And for me, that's important there, is offering that support. Because when you go vegan, and you may not necessarily, it's very different from knowing how to cook going vegan. So you want to do this, 
but you're lacking the support. And what I find interesting is in a capital as expensive as London, we're not the most expensive yet in the world, but we're fast approaching it, there's no access to that support. Even though you've got so many people offering guides on, you know, how to go vegan, here's a guide to go vegan, there's no practical support. And I am not knocking those organisations. I'm just saying I find it interesting that we don't have a sort of like, you know, you want to go vegan, here it is. We get donations from our um, from from our supporters and here it is. We can offer you once a month, come along, we'll teach you first of every month how to, all the practical things you need to know. There is this perception that everybody has to pay to learn how to do this. And I do know that some people listening to this will go, hey, well, I did it without the support. Why, why is that important? Why do, you, why do you need that support? I managed it. And that's the thing is asking people to look at it from the other lens. I mean, I've got some guys who come to the class. I'm, I'm specifically speaking on the guys here. So our gender engagement is um, 60, uh, 65% female and 64% uh, female and 34% male, 2% prefer not to disclose. And we also offered a non-binary category as well. Now, I'm specifically picking on the guys here, um, 34%. We have a lot of guys come to the classes it's their first time handling a knife and they come and they want to learn they really want to learn and they come and they know that they can be vulnerable in our space you know can you show me how to crush that garlic and that's beautiful that you can help people with that yeah I, again I, I don't have really any follow-up for you I'm just I'm just in awe of what you're doing i think that you're changing the lives of so many people in such positive ways and um yeah i, I don't have anything to say other than thank you <laughs> but roger's up next anyway <laughs> um, if i can share a little achievement for, for for us personally is we managed to hit a target on our ethnicity breakdown of our classes um, so we, we, we've got people coming from all different walks of life, all backgrounds, ages. You know, our youngest participants is nine and our oldest participants is 72. I mean, we can't get more kids and more seniors because of the time of the day. So a lot of seniors don't want to go out late at night. And even though it's 6.30, the time they finish, they'd get home. That's just too late. And for the kids, they should be asleep because they have school the next day. So that's why some of the other projects we're working on is so important. Because if we can get to the medical and allied health professionals, we can get to the seniors. If we can get the um, family sessions and the children's sessions happening on the weekend, then we're taking care of that. But for me, what was super important was to reflect the makeup of London. And we've hit it. Our um, black minority ethnic category, so our BME category or our BAMA category, has gone up to 40% engagement. And it's such a great achievement for us because we were, we were pretty close. We were pretty close. We needed to get just a little bit higher and we've hit it because London as itself, I, because I don't talk about England, I consider myself a Londoner. I'm not even, you know, even though I'm born in this country, I don't necessarily feel comfortable outside of London as a person of colour myself. 
London is is London. It's not the same as the rest of uh, of the UK or England. And for me, it's really important that we offer the the right reflection of it. So to get that forty percent engagement with the BME community and twenty six percent white British and thirty one percent white other, which is also another reflection of, say, for example, the huge European communities we have living in London. And it's it's and th this particular makeup of London is not reflected in the rest of England. So for me, that's a huge achievement that we've done that, Absolutely. that we've created space. And also, it's also passing on that challenge to other organisations. You need to do it. If we can make it as diverse, so can you. Sorry, there's just no arguing over it. If you're a London organization you and you're within the vegan community, you need to be reaching a diverse audience. And if you're not, then listen to people who are talking to you. Listen, uh, you know, w what suggestions can they give you? And also the best way to do it. And this is just something I don't know who said it, but if you want to be diverse as an organization, in who you attract, your supporters, then have that reflected in your back office. Because if your back office isn't diverse, then that's part of your problem there. Look at that first, fix that, do something about that. And it's not just bringing on consultants and no, it's bring them into your office, make them a part of your team. Because when your team is more diverse, then that's it it creates that conversation. It changes the context of an organization. So yeah, sorry, just a little shout on that. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think that's that's fantastic news and thank you for um, letting us know about it. Really amazing work. Thank you. So, um, hi, uh, Farah. It's, um, it's good to speak to you again. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Yeah, Tired well, this week, but we'll be back to normal next week. Uh, very good. Well, I need to report to you that I'm a guy and I'm an experienced knife handler, so I think I ought to say that. But um, to be honest, I, I tend to think that you're our spinal tap guest in the sense that if you were to judge your energy levels and uh, your enthusiasm on, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would think you're probably about 11 or 12, I would think. So... Um, <laughs> You know, I'm always in, impressed by that. Thank you. <laughs> now, um, I got a sneaky feeling that the majority of vegan activists don't do the sort of intense and integrated community work that you do in Life After Hummus. So you may have really answered this, but I just wonder whether you could tell us what working within the community, you know, integral part of a commun community in such a hands-on way is like. When do you mean, what's it like? What, um, I mean, because what's it like? It's amazing. Um, but what do you mean more specifically? I'm I'm trying to get at the, the idea that you're kind of like just part of the community. It's not as though you're a guest who's been brought in. You're not a kind of guest speaker, as it were, or you're you're not the vegans who are kind of visiting. It's it's all kind of like you know much for muchness. It's all it's all kind of one. You know, you are part of the community. You're a community activist. You, you also happen to be doing some vegan vegan stuff. That's, that's what I was trying to get out. The main thing to learn is do not parachute yourselves in. That's the main lesson. When you want to enter a community, don't parachute your ideas in. Listen. Listen. Ask questions. 
talk to people and also don't necessarily go and start something brand new look at what already is happening see how can how can i help what can i do you know i i like to look at it like i like to think about our volunteers when it comes to me saying that those words it's if when i look at those volunteers they honestly they amaze me that they come every week they come every week they come just to help us some of them straight after work and one of them travels really far after work to get to us right and they've got work the next day and you you look at them they want to be active they want to be active in the community so they found what we do it fits them i'm not going to talk on their behalf because then we need to speak to them but it fits it fits them from what i can see right so our type of activism for example if we call it that fits them so they haven't gone and reinvented the wheel they've come and they've come to us and they said how can we help you and then i've had people ask me in different ways can i help you in another way so a person came to me and said hey i'd love to volunteer with you but here's the thing i'm really good at taking pictures i'd love to just take some pictures for you would you be cool with that why thank you very much that would be lovely and i and that's how do you enter a community if you will have a look in your own backyard so to speak what's around you where do people need help and ask first listen don't parachute in don't try to impose your views on them does that answer your question uh, yes it does it the, the feel of it is is what i experienced myself in the 80s in manchester you know there was a kind of community of of people who were vegan but they were also involved with all kind of other things but it was all kind of just just kind of like entwined entangled you know it wasn't um I just said you weren't parachuting in on on something. You you were there already, you know that, that kind of thing. It is. It's. I I hear what you're saying. It's not mm, exactly. It's it's not just sort of looking at how to go vegan or you should go vegan. It's looking at all the intricacies there. So, for example, if my classes, I say with my lovely Bengali women, for example, now that is something we made happen and there's things you can do to make that happen so because we're doing this with the center so the center brought us in to deliver this for them we were worried that oh we're not you know we're worried that they were they going to do enough advertising for it because we know that as a community center they're on limited resources so we looked at our budget that we had put to to them and went do you know what we're going to print off a thousand leaflets do you know what? We're going to get somebody to go and deliver those leaflets. And at the same time, we get to pay somebody to deliver those leaflets. That's sort of like little things that you can do to further your reach. And now that I'm teaching that class there, for example, again, I need a sessional assistant. Well, they have somebody there who, who came to the first session and I could see just how keen they were like to be in the kitchen and to help out. And because we teach in the main hall, but most of the time they were in the kitchen. So I spoke to the center and I said, hey, you know, this person for the next class, we're going to bring a sessional person. Um, do you think I could ask them? 
And there you go. Beautiful. I worked with this person yesterday. We organized it. You get to employ somebody who's already in the community. And sure, I'm only offering, I'm only offering them a set amount of sessions with us. But already there, you've made them a part of the project. And you're not asking, are you vegan? Are you not vegan? You've brought them on board and they get to be a part of that project. And they then get to also be your ambassadors on the project. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a true inspiration. Thank you very much. No, Roger, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me. It's just such a pleasure for both of us. Farrah, we spoke with Dr. Casey Taft a few days ago and I asked him about abuse from within the animal movement. I was referring to the type of weaponized oppression that's been going on where one person attempts to ostracize another due to often even just a minor disagreement contacting their mutual friends and bullying those people to distance themselves from the target. I know that you've witnessed this as well. Is there any advice you can offer either to those who are being targeted or to those who are being bullied into disassociating with the target? Well, I felt it as well, personally. I won't get into the details. The, the main thing with that is it's i question what what why is the person doing it what's the point of the person doing it so when a person behaves like that why are they doing it what are they trying to gain from it what are they or what are they so upset about what is it what's at the core of it what i don't see at the core of it is the most important it's not for the benefit of the beneficiaries it's for the benefit of that person and that's what it comes down to because you know because what we do is so community orientated but i like to think all forms of activism is about the community it's about the end goal is who the end goal is your beneficiary that's the best way the uh, operationals manager at the space where we are jody this is what she says the end of the day it's all about your beneficiaries so you're not helping your beneficiaries when you're doing this. What you are doing is you're, you're being really horrible towards, <laughs> towards people who are in the same movement, who rather than dealing like, with it like adults, like we used to do in the good old days before the internet. No, in seriousness, it's like, you know, why don't you just meet up and just have it out, have a conversation? Why has there got to be so much pettiness? I mean, you know, something that's really important, um, f f you know, Phoebe Frampton talks about this a lot. And I know you've interviewed her. I can't wait to listen to it. She's <laughs> she was great. one of my favorites as well. She's just, yeah. you know, just, but you, you know, you, you look at some of the stuff that their group has been through, you know, and that's in a different way. Now, they talk a lot about, Phoebe talks a lot about self-love, protecting yourself. And that is, is, is my biggest advice out there is, you know, my way that I find easier to deal with it, don't engage with it. If somebody says something where they need to be called out, sorry, I will call you out. It needs to be said. But the best way is just don't give it airtime. That's what you need to do. And to the people who do the bullying, you've lost your cause. You've lost your soul. I don't know what product you're trying to sell. I don't know what you're trying to sell. I don't know, you know, it's, but you've lost your focus. Your focus is your beneficiary. And you know what? There's a way to go about things. 
other than targeting a person directly. You're not the police. You're not the thought police, you know, and also a lot of people now and, and we see this with, with the growth of the Internet, you know, we see this, that people don't let people finish their sentences. Well, that's just how can I put it in a polite way? Grow up, you know, <laughs> let people, you know, just. Yeah, it's. But, you know, I, I also see this in a different way. So I look at the one you've got this bullying going on. You've got this this person said this and that person said that. And then you've got something else that's quite interesting that happens in London. And I can only speak for London, but that I see is that you also see people not giving space to other people. So you see cliques forming and they'll only cover each other on their media channels and their sort of platforms and they'll only discuss about each other. And even though they'll see good things going on because i see so much good going on i see so many people in the movement working so hard to make so many things happen right like at real community levels i see it they won't be given the platforms they won't be given the airtime and in a world where today the internet is so important then again i would ask listeners to to think about it why is it that they don't give these people their times? For what benefit? And for me, I see it point blank. Bank account. That's, that's, that's it. That's it. Mm. It's about, well, no, I'm not going to share my platform. I'm not going to give you any space because it's about how much money can I as an individual generate. And there's a problem there. Or it's, you know, it's, it, and it tends to be white men. It tends to be white men protecting their own. That's what they do. So you've got both of those at the moment. You've got that one side you guys are talking about and you've got this other side. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. It certainly is about money and I think it's about power and ego as well. I guess it's it's something that so few people are willing to speak about, but I think it's just happening more and more and I think we should be speaking about it more and more and I, I guess I feel for the, those people who are dragged into a situation where this sort of thing is happening because they don't know what to do. Should they disassociate with somebody who they regard as a friend because somebody's trying to bully them into doing that or should they say no and then, like, with the realisation that saying no means that they're probably going to be the next target? It's just a really inconsiderate way to behave and it's it makes me sad to see it happening in a movement that's meant to be about justice and about fairness and it just seems so ironic that there's so much unfairness and and basically nastiness happening at the moment i think it's all based on like you say on money and i think it's based on a need for power and i think it's based on ego and even on a need to be seen as a savior and it's dangerous. It's dangerous it because, you know, it affects people's mental health. The thing is, you can pretty much throw anything at me, you know. I've seen it all. Left home at 15. I've been, you know, hidden homeless two times. I've had, you know, when I was a kid, I come from a really background, lots of physical violence. You know, you can throw anything at me and I will just, I will ward you off. 
But mm. you know what? Not everybody's like that. Exactly. Not every- exactly. And you've got a lot of, I see a lot of, especially younger people, and I'm super protective of them. You know, <laughs> you've got a lot of young people there doing good work. And you come at them with things that are not true about them. You say mm. things about them. And there you're affecting their mental health. But the thing is, you don't care because you're yes, on to your next target. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but you've let you've you've become like a hurricane, or I should say cyclone, because my family from Mauritius. You come <laughs> like a cyclone, you whiz through, and you leave that trail of destruction. And also what you leave is you leave that person's network in tatters. And there's no need for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I actually, since we recorded and published Casey's interview, which, like I say, was only two days ago, I received a couple of messages about that. But one in particular from somebody who I know was viciously, viciously attacked and targeted. And this was probably about, I think it was about 12 months or so ago. And she was saying that her mental health is still very fragile because of what happened to her because she was she was targeted in such a way that her, you know, her, her friends were told lies about her and her friends were bullied into disassociating f- from her. And it was based on something that was just not true. And so when you, when you bring up the issue of mental health, I'm, people just walking away and leaving that person in tatters there's just no excuse for it. And then what do people do? They withdraw. And when yes. they withdraw, they're not just withdrawing from the activism they're doing, they're also withdrawing from their community. So you're yes. isolating that person. Yes. And socialization is a real thing. Absolutely. And then you're just, like you say, that then you're just walking on to your next target and continuing. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I bring it back to who for? Mm, exactly. Not your beneficiaries. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess you know, if we were to try and give somebody who's been targeted some advice, I don't know. I guess if they know that they're not alone, if they know that this is something that's occurring on a way too regular basis, I think that that helps for them to know that they're not by themselves and they're not alone and there's support out there for them. Absolutely, Caroline, you're right. They they are not alone. They're not they're not alone. It's you know, there's so many of us who have who've been affected by this and we're all here and we're we all you know, in our in our mini groups, in our in our mini social groups, we talk about it, we talk about it to people who are close to us and they know that well your friends your friends can see when you've been bullied and they support you and wider than that is you know a lot of us have gone through this and it's about I'm, I'm not explaining this very well but it's knowing that if you were bullied you weren't Nobody had any right to bully you. And knowing that you were right, that if if somebody's targeted you, done a targeted attack on you, and especially when it gets toxic to the point where they point you out your name 
then just know that you, that you don't have anything to feel bad about and what advice do i have out there also is that not just for the person listening I, you know i go back to what i was saying with what what phoebe frampton talks about this self love and protecting yourself if you need to remove yourself from the situation and you need to disconnect from the online then do that do that do do what you need to do to heal but i also have something that i want to point out to the people who give abusers platforms i want to touch on that you know abusers can only have the reach they have if you keep offering them these platforms if you've got people within the movement who are toxic who are bullying who are affecting people's mental health then there is something you can do about it you can not give them that platform and you can listen to what the public have to say because it's not about selling tickets it's about your beneficiaries and if for you you look at your model as an organizer and you go no well sorry it's about my bottom line then you shouldn't be organizing community events you shouldn't be organizing vegan events or you know whatever you want to call them it's you've got a duty you should do your due diligence you have a duty you have to think of other people who could be targeted you also have to think about when they target a person they're inciting hate and people who are coming to listen to them you're you're fueling that for the people who then become a part of say what they believe in to also go and behave that way because if you give them a platform after they've done something like that sorry i'm going into a long-winded explanation here but if you've given them a platform and that people come to listen to them and they've paid tickets to listen to them will those people think it's okay to go ahead and bully somebody and we need to start acting more as a community if i can say that i know there's no such thing as a community i say this about you know the lgbt world of which, to which i belong i say this about the vegan world to which i belong it's like you know there isn't such thing as a, a community per se but we we are a community you know in an, in another sense of the word and you you've got a responsibility there so please stop offering people who are causing harm to people space to talk to platforms because you know perhaps also if you didn't offer them the space perhaps they'd see that they'd have to change their ways and do something about it if that makes sense it makes perfect sense and i completely agree with you i think it's wonderful advice and very thoughtful thank you so much farah i'm thank sorry you. it was very long though <laughs> no no it's it was really really helpful and it's it's such a big issue that again that most people aren't willing to speak about so i think it's just it's really important to get it out there and for people to understand that they're not alone there's there is support out there so thank you so much for making all that all so clear 
I also want to thank you so sincerely for spending your time with us today. It's always an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. The work you're doing, I don't even have words to, to say thank you enough because I think you're an absolutely amazing person. I hope you have a wonderful time at VegFest. Good luck with everything. Good luck with all of the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing for both humans and other animals. You know, you're such a sweet person, you both of you. And it's just like, please, you know, don't, don't in, enough with the thank yous. Honestly, it's just it's it's just great that you're doing this series. I'm really enjoying it. And I know other people are enjoying it. You know, I get messages sort of every day as they're coming out. Oh, have you listened to this one? Have you listened <laughs> to that one? And it's just honestly, you know, you, you guys don't have to like do what you do and you do. And I'm um, sorry, that sounds terrible on audio, but it's, <laughs> but it's it's you don't do you, you and Roger. And it's it's just really nice that you that you are. So equally, thank you to both of you for taking your time, not just to like arrange the calls, but the topics and how you're delving in this series into questions even more. You're getting deeper and deeper into sort of like what's happening um, here and there and everywhere. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying it, and I know I have a, my 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 best friend does audio um, recordings for for her job interviews, and and um, I know how much work goes into it. I know how much effort, and I know that when she's working on a piece, how long that can take from incept to creation to editing, and I know that out there you've got youtubers they do it overnight oh yeah well you know that's our thing we just do it all the time but i mean good quality good quality content and i'm not saying there's not good quality content on youtube by the way because i always say to people you know if you're looking for something like a recipe on how to cook this or do that well google you know low-fat yeah. vegan and put the word of the recipe you're looking for so i'm not knocking that i'm just saying in a very messy way how much effort i know it takes to put together good content so um, thank you both very much. Thank you for such beautiful, kind words. Thank you, Farah. I really appreciate it. No, no thank you.